0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast
1: with Don LaGreca.
0: And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. It's been a little while, but it's nice to welcome EJ Raddick from the NHL Network back into the fray. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm good, John. Yeah, the schedules have been a little crazy lately, but uh, here we are. So I'm and glad I'm, to be back with you. Yeah,
0: and it was, it was show my support Saturday afternoon at the LaGreca house, okay? I had the kids eating lunch. All right. Right. It was okay. a little late lunch for them, trying to get them all together to take them outside and, and play. So, you know, my guy is Chris Carlin. So on, on the Alexa in the kitchen, I had the, the Rutgers game, West Rutgers, Wisconsin, so I can hear my guy, Chris Carlin. And in the living room, I popped on the NHL Network to watch you and Stu Grimson for the Lightning Senators game. And uh, I tell you, man, you sounded great. And I know you have never worked with Stu before, but I, I really felt there was a lot of chemistry. That was a great broadcast.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's been—I really, really appreciate those those kind words from you. Uh, you know, you understand it. You've been doing it for a good while now, so uh, it's exciting for me. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I've got—I uh, think on my schedule, i you know—I the NHL Network. We do these NHL Network Showcase games, which are, you know, out of market national games. So, you know, over the weekend when we do. Tampa and Ottawa, well, it's not available in the Tampa market, but it's available everywhere else, which is great. And uh, I think I have the Rangers and Senators on the 20th of October, or I mean, of November. And so obviously that doesn't get seen in this market. Maybe you're calling, you're probably calling that game as well. So we're probably both calling the same game, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I really, like I said, really have to appreciate the uh, the
0: support and uh you know I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, great job uh, as usual. And I will be on that game Rangers Senators uh, coming up a couple of weeks uh um, we on Saturday, so. <laughs> yeah, they they play these afternoon games up in Ottawa. It's crazy. Uh, there's a p- bunch of places to go. I just wanted to get your thoughts on this to start. Um okay. I know attendance has really been down around the league. I'm seeing it at Madison Square Garden. I can't remember if it's ever happened where a Ranger game had around, you know, a, a little over 13,000. We, we've seen it with Toronto, the Canadian teams. There, I think there was uh, a non-sellout for Kevin Lownight on Saturday uh, in Edmonton. And I'm a little surprised, DJ, there's been so much speculation on why. I, I think the answer is easy. You know, with needing a vaccination to get in some of these buildings, if not all these buildings, it's really cut into a lot of the fan base. I know Buffalo struggled, but don't give me a soliloquy on, well, the fan base has had it. There's 7,800 people in Buffalo. I think there's a lot of unvaccinated people in Western New York that aren't going. So is is the league concerned about this or do they look at it as, hey, this is a very pandemic-y problem that eventually is going to right itself?
1: Well, I would think any business is concerned when their customers are not showing up in the numbers that they were. Now there's a lot of things that have happened, uh, namely a worldwide pandemic where people kind of change their uh, habits a little bit. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of uh, businesses that are are really having a hard time finding people for uh, particular jobs maybe in the service industry because I think it's dis- it disrupted everyone's life and everyone has kind of taken stock, I think, in different ways of what they want to do with their time, how they want to, what things they want to work at, what uh, things they want to uh, spend their, their idle time with. And, and uh, I, I think that's part of it. And, and I think that's going to play out over time. I think you're right. There's no question that uh, vaccine requirements in some places uh, certainly cut into it I, I mean there's a lot of people that are vaccinated so, so you know that would you would have to submit then that most hockey fans are not which I would disagree with I think it's probably the same percentage that you would have in society so I think there's just a lot of reasons that go into it but I, I think the main thing Don is that you know again people have just gotten out of the things that they normally do and some have come back quickly and others it may take time And we'll just have to see how it plays out. But I think if I'm at the National Hockey League office, yeah, I'm a little concerned. And I'm hoping that it's going to come back and they have a great product. But I think that we're in a unique time and it's going to take some time.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And and also, I do agree that the vast majority of people, hockey fans, are vaccinated. But there's other things, too. Like, we just found out that kids 5 and 11 can get vaccinated, so... Hey, I'm vaccinated. My wife's vaccinated. But if I have kids that are unvaccinated, maybe I'm not going to want to take them to a hockey game. So, there's
1: there's, a lot.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things that definitely play into it. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because you know some of the numbers are a little jarring. But you kind of know that it's going to come back and that that's it's it things are starting to come back but it's still you know a little a little slow football's a little different it's outside it's once a week but you know you certainly saw it um in basketball and hockey both kind of going through the same thing so I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that and I know you're close to the league so if there were any theories coming from them that I would think that that would be uh a place at a place to ask and and probably a direction they go um Colleton out in Chicago can't say you're overly surprised right I mean just a miserable start for them uh and with the resignation of Joel Quinville um are these teams going to stay on the interim basis or or who are some of the coaches like a John Tortorella getting bantied around that might land one of these jobs well
1: there are a couple of veterans out there right I mean when you think of Obviously, torts. uh my colleague Ruth Boudreau at the NHL Network. Uh, you know, Claude Julian is someone that's had a lot of success in this league. I'm sure I'm leaving guys out. I mean, uh, Mike Babcock is still
0: yeah.
1: out there and a possible hire at some point for someone. Although he's still getting paid by the Leafs, so I believe he's coaching Canadian college hockey right now. And uh, you know, in some bases, so in out west. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, two dramatically different circumstances. I mean, Florida is right there uh, at the top of the league right now, and they're a team that we think uh, could challenge for a Stanley Cup, and they have Andrew Burnett there, and he's been there a while. They have a tight group, and things are going well, and I think Bill Zito is wise not to rush into anything. I think if he does decide that he needs a more experienced head coach behind the bench, I, I, I don't think John Tortorella is that guy for that group. I think they're I think what they would need is just somebody more along the lines of a Bruce Boudreau that just brings the experience of managing the bench during games. Um, you know, that's where you would worry. I think as you get into bigger games, into the playoffs is one more experienced coaches kind of outmaneuver a, a guy like Andrew Burnett who hasn't had that experience in those moments. And so, um, you know, that's the that's the way I would think it would go there, but I don't think there's any rush for Bill Zito to make a decision because things are going really well right now. As for Chicago, I'm kind of surprised that Jeremy Carlton lasted as long as he did. I think that was part and parcel because Stan Bolden hired him and wanted to give him every chance to be successful there, especially in light of the fact that he, he kind of put him in a tough spot, following a legendary figure there. Uh, A guy who's won three Stanley Cups and Joel Quenbill to come in as the youngest coach in the league. In fact, when he was let go, he was still the youngest coach in the league three years later. So I'll be interested to see how they move forward. I mean, Kyle Davidson, who is the interim manager, had a little bit of a presser yesterday. And so I think a lot of things are going to still shake out at Chicago. I mean, do they want to go and find a more experienced manager? Would that individual have somebody in mind to be the head coach? They've got some really high-end players on longer-term contracts. Most recently, Seth Jones, uh, and the team. They, although they won yesterday, they have two wins on the season, and they you know, if it wasn't for Arizona, they'd be probably sitting in the, They would be sitting in the bottom of that division. So I think there's a lot that has to shake out in Chicago. But the, the schedule is kind of favorable. They've got the Penguins coming up next, who are dinged up a little bit with injuries and illness. Um, you got the Arizona Coyotes coming up after them. Seattle is the next one. So there's a little window for maybe the Hawks to put together some wins and kind of get back on track. But I don't imagine they're going to be able to overcome this start. And uh, I'll be really interested to see what direction ownership goes there as they try to kind of reestablish uh, that mm. franchise after all that's happened in the first six, six weeks or so of the season
0: and of course the other big news the Eichel deal he goes to Vegas and we can analyze this back and forth I'm sure it's going to change and swing like a pendulum but one of the big uh, perks I guess for the Golden Knights to get Eichel is to have him ready for the playoffs kind of like what Kucherov was able to do for Tampa last year would there be any concern in Vegas EJ of Vegas making the playoffs this year
1: there's some concern because they've got so many injuries right now, and you know I, I kind of give credit for finding ways to to stay afloat. Um, you know that division is the one word that always comes up when we talk about the Pacific Division is wide open. And Edmonton and Calgary have gotten off to great starts. Anaheim is playing very well, four and two in their last six games. Uh, so all of a sudden they're a little bit in the mix now. San Jose has gotten off to a surprisingly good start there. So it might be more difficult to make the playoffs if they don't get the ship right and get some of these players back and uh, get into a more consistent game flow because, you know, you look at the Central, there may be five teams that come out of the Central. That would leave only three spots in the Pacific. So obviously there's a lot to be determined over the next couple of months. But I do think that there's, you know, I'm sure if I'm Pete DeBoer there, uh, my message every day is that we've got to take we've got to take this one day at a time right now. And we've got to try to find, we've got to try to find a way to get points every single time we get on the ice. I mean, right now they're leaning on Robin Leonard. They're leaning on uh, Alex Petrangelo uh, and that group uh, on defense, but they're, they're hurting for goals right now. So they got to try to get these guys back as soon as they can. Uh, if they can get to the playoffs mm-hmm. and Eichel goes through the surgery, which he's scheduled to have this week, we talked to him on NHL now last week and, uh, You know, if he can get through that process, and, you know, I always say, Donnie, I mean, it's surgery, there's no easy surgery for me, no matter what it is. Um, Hopefully he can get through that process and and get back playing, and they can get Stone and Pacioretty and some of these other guys back, and then they'll have to make some cap decisions. But, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy to get in the playoffs, because, you know, it's not like the old days, Donnie, right? 21 out of 16 out of 21. It's 16 out of 32 now. And there's so much parity, it's very difficult, yeah. I think. Much more difficult to get to the playoffs than it once
0: was. And, and I tell you, it is wide open in the West, and I know it's very early. But you take a look at the two top teams in the Pacific Division. The Battle of Alberta yeah. is back. You know, Calgary and Edmonton are legit teams. I got a chance to call both of theirs games against the Rangers over the weekend, EJ. And I think the the addition of Keith on that blue line is going to be big for the Oilers. McDavid and Dreisaitl are just unbelievable. That power play remind you of those 80s Oilers teams and I don't think Calgary is quite as well-rounded but if Markstrom's going to play the way he's playing EJ they I, I think they have the potential to go farther in the playoffs than Edmonton would you agree
1: I well I like their four approach right now I really like it I think on it's 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 good I think they have some young players that I want to see more of to make a judgment like Oliver Schillington and some of the other guys there, Rasmus Anderson, where they're, like, when the push comes to shove, where are those guys going to be in big moments? Markstrom has been great for the most part. Um, so I, I really, I when I saw them come to New York and, and play the Rangers at the Garden and then the Devils the next night, I was really impressed with, uh, the, you know, the Daryl Sutter really has to playing the kind of hockey he likes to play. Uh, the Edmonton, are still a little top heavy? I mean, I don't know how you're not going to be top heavy when you have two of the best, maybe the two best players in hockey, probably the two best players in hockey, you know, McDavid and Drysidle. but they are getting contributions from others in their group. Lee Harvey seems to be coming around, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins resigned there and uh, you know he's got a crazy kind of stat line now with all that his, his. and you're right I mean Duncan Keith was one of those guys that when when they traded for Kenny Holland took a lot of heat about that and so much so that I, I reached out and called him because I you know I kind of knew what his idea was there and you know I, I guess you know we're in this analytics world and people want to go through the numbers he's an older player but Duncan Keith wanted to be there he is an experienced guy with three Stanley Cups on his resume that brings a level of accountability in that room that they do not have. And it's someone that, when Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl maybe need a little bump in terms of what they need to do to help this team win, that's somebody that can speak from a level of real credibility among the players in that room. So... He's a second-pair guy behind Nurse, who's developed into a terrific first-pair defender. And uh, I think it was, uh, it was an interesting move by Kenny, but I, you could see why he did it. It was more than just what goes on on the ice. And they seem to have a deeper group right now. The question is, with Koskinen and Mike Smith, who's been out, uh, you know, is that goaltending pair good enough? And that's still a pretty big
0: question. Yeah, that definitely, and that's always what you need in the postseason. But the two teams were the pleasure to watch them, and I think Calgary did a good job with um, Sutter bringing in the likes of Richardson and Lewis, guys that he won with with the Kings. I mean, these are, these are important moves that may not necessarily produce on the stat line every night, but I'm sure really are helping inside that room. I'm really interested to see how the rest of that Pacific Division is going to be able to respond to those two teams because I think clearly they're the two best teams in the division, if not the conference. Now, in the East, we got to see two of the best teams play on Saturday, Carolina and Florida. What did we learn from that 5-2 Panther win?
1: Well, I mean, last year it seemed it was odd. Those three teams that were, in, that were kind of locked in that division together, right, Tampa, Carolina, and Florida – Last season it was interesting because uh, Florida gave Tampa a lot of trouble. Tampa was able to handle Carolina, but yet Carolina was able to handle Florida. Now that was last year. Right. Uh, so I think Florida, I think, you know, it was more of a statement moment. And they were without, when you think about it, for that game, they were without Barkov. Uh, I don't think Bennett played in that game as well, and Bobrovsky has been out with injury, right? So it was the young kid Spencer Knight, and they just went out and just rolled the the Hurricanes early in the game and just took over the game, and ended up winning five two. So was done an amazing job in just two short years. They changed the culture. Uh, they really think they've got a great chance to win there, and I would agree with that. Uh, they're deep in terms of their scoring and their defense is playing is playing well uh, and they've got was off to a great great start this year and uh, Spencer Knight's a pretty darn good young goalie so they got a lot of things in place in Florida and as for Carolina it's been a great start for them I think their schedule was a little soft um, leading into that game and I think when you you know they had games I think it was three in a row two in Chicago with Chicago and one with Arizona and there were some struggles in those games but I think when you play teams that uh, aren't at that level sometimes you get a, you get some bad habits and i think uh, those, some of those might have been exposed on saturday night all that said i'll be really eager to see those two teams play throughout the season whenever they get together i think they're both terrific teams and i think either can win on any given night but i think the florida panthers when you look at their group um Boy, they're a, they're, a, they're a hard team to deal with because they can score goals. They can play with you physically. And they've got some really, I mean, when Barkoff's healthy, he's one of the very best players in the league, legit number one center. Uh, Uberto Uber has been terrific. Uh, you know, uh, Bennett has been a great acquisition. They're hard to play against. So I, I think those are going to be, you know, the matchups between those three teams, again, moving forward, uh, you know, even though they're not in the same division anymore, but uh, Tampa, Florida, and Carolina, boy, those are
0: three teams. Uh, those matchups are going to be interesting. You know, E.J., the Rangers have been very perplexing to me. You look at their 6-3 three, and 3 records, second place in the division. There's a lot of good that's come from the start to the season, especially a half a decade of getting off to really slow starts, but if you really dissect this team, see, that's the fallacy of the overtime losses. There's still losses, so you can kind of look at it and say they've been very average. It's 6-6 six and because six, they've lost as many games as they've won. And they're not getting a lot of production out of Panarin and Zabanajad. The goaltending, I think, has been terrific. But my biggest problem with them, EJ, and, and I wonder if you agree in the times you've seen them, I don't think there's been a game this year they put together a 60-minute effort. And whenever they get into a lull, they get steamrolled. And it happened on Saturday against Calgary. All oh, Let's explain it away because that was the second of back-to-backs at the end of a long road trip but they almost ran out of the building in Seattle in the second period. Um, you, you saw what happened in Vancouver in the third period where they blew the two-goal lead and certainly in Edmonton doing the same thing. E.J., how, how does this team put together a 60-minute effort? Because I think that's a major problem for them.
1: Yeah, it's a mixed bag right now. There's no question about it. And I think that Gerard Galan is still trying to figure out exactly what he has there. I think we saw this last year with the Zabenejad got off to the slow start and then really got rolling. He's going to have to get his... He's going to have to be consistent every night. I mean, they've now paid him, uh, you know, to be that guy night after night after night, and and he's going to have to figure that out. Um, You know, Panarin is someone he has got a long track record. I'm not really that concerned. I think he'll figure it out. But again, you would like to see more production there. But I think this team as a group, uh, you know, I think that there's... They're still trying to figure out where all these pieces fit, and you know some of these young guys. I mean, it's been a struggle for Lafreniere. It's been a struggle for Kako. Uh, Kravchuk's gone now. Uh, you know who fits where? Where are they up the middle with with, with pieces? Um, they moved out Busnjakovic last year. That was kind of a cap casualty for them. But he was a you know he was an emerging player for them, so he's out of the picture. On defense, you've got you know you're leaning on some young players. Fox is is terrific. You got him sign now, so he's locked in. Uh, I didn't really love the signing of Patrick Nemes, uh, on especially on a three year. Uh, you know, to me, I see him as a guy that you know you could have signed for you know one year, one million, and or you could have went out and tried to find any number of veteran guys that can come in and help your group on a short term basis as you continue to work young defenders into the lineup. Um, I think they don't really, they still struggle to defend. Uh, as you t- I point out, uh, they really had a tough period against Seattle out there. They were very fortunate to win that game, that second period. It was just, uh, I think Trouble was on the ice for one stretch, about three and a half minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's. I think there's a lot to figure out there. There's still, all, I mean, a lot of talented players. There's some young guys that I think you just got to hang in there with because, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you give up on somebody as a 20- 20 or 21-year-old and they turn around and go somewhere else and they become a star player. So these are all things I think that Gerard Gallant is going to have to figure out over time. Um, it'll be fascinating to watch this year. Sisterkin has been really good for the most part. But they got to defend better and they got to figure out who they are on a night-to-night basis and how, you know, they want to play. If they want to try to play run and gun and loose, I mean, that's gonna be problematic over the course of time. If if they can figure out and they buy into the lot system, which will take time. I mean they have new players, they have young players, they have a new coach. I mean there's a lot happening there. So the good news is that they've got those six wins, they got those three extra points where they lost an overtime shootout. The bad news for Ranger fans and for you know, for, for people who are really watching closely is they haven't played that great so far. So we will see how things unfold. I mean, they got a challenge against the Florida Panthers coming up here on Monday, and then as we move forward in the season, <coughs> excuse me, they're just going to have to find some consistency and consistency, just figure out who they are as a team, and that's going to evolve.
0: Yeah, and kind of a crazy schedule, because you know, then it'll be three games in four nights, tail end of a four-game road trip, and then they're off four days before playing back-to-back games this weekend against Columbus uh, and New Jersey. Are you ready for some tweets? Yes, let's go. All right, Brian says, in your mind, is Sorokin earned and supplanted Varlamov as the Islanders' goaltender moving forward?
1: Well, I think he's always going to be that guy, right? He's the younger guy. He's the, That's the plan. When you look at the big picture, when they signed Varlamov and they brought, brought Sorokin in, the plan was that Varlamov would be the guy in the short term and Sorokin would, would over time, be the guy for the long term. Uh, He's been really good at the start of the season. He started off actually a little bit slow, but then he really found his game. Um, Varlamov played his first game against the Minnesota Wild. Some tough breaks around the net in the third period that go his way. Um, I think we need some time to see to let Varlamov get into his game. I think the Islanders have a great luxury to have two guys that are this good uh, in goal for them. So I think that over time, Barry Trotz will... He will play the hot guy, he will work for Alamov in, he will get him his games, and if, if Sorokin continues to play as he has played over his last several starts, well, he's going to play a lot, because he's been that good. But I don't think they're ready to to move off to the number two role. I think with both of these guys, it's probably best for them to do some sort of split. Uh, Sorokin may end up playing a few more of the games this year, just because of the injury issue at the start of the season, but... Uh, you know, I think it's a luxury to have both guys, and it'll be up to Barry Trotz and, and uh, you know his coaching staff to try to figure out, you know, who is the right guy when, and try to manage that rotation. But I assume both guys are going to play a lot.
0: All right, how about this one from Tony? He says, "In your opinion, who is going to go down as the better all-time player, Malkin or Bergeron?" Both accomplished so much, and it's a fun debate.
1: That is a really good debate because they're two very different players. I mean, if you just look at uh, – I, I would say this. I would say if Jenny Malkin is the better player when he's healthy and right. He is such a dynamic player, and he's big. He's great offensively. I mean, he's been part of three Stanley Cup championship teams. Uh, we've seen him shine and uh, be the guy that gets – the awards uh, throughout his career as well. It's not just him riding shotgun alongside Sidney, alongside Sidney Crosby. He's been a Coddsmith winner and a heart winner and all those things. So I would say that Malkin is the better player, but boy, Patrice Bergeron is just like one of those guys that does every little right thing for your team. And, yeah. uh, you know, just a 200 foot player and you can put him in all kinds of situations and kills penalties. And He's a great player to have. So it's one of those ones, Donald. I used to say to you, right? I'll let you pick first. I'll take the guy you don't take. And I'll be all right with that. Because, yeah, it, <laughs> you know, I'd be in pretty good shape. But I, I think if Kenny Malkin maybe he doesn't get the, the, the due that he deserves because Russian-born player in North America, and he's been alongside Crosby for so long, but I mean, he's been a special player, and he's got the physical gifts of his size and reach that make him
0: something. Yeah, there's certain things there, too. And, you know, injuries become a factor, but they're both very similar, right? Because they both played for established playoff franchises, both got a chance to play with great players. I mean, Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby, but um, Marshon's a very good player. There's always been good players around Bergeron, you know, uh, whether it's... You know, Hall now, you know, before then getting a chance to play with some great players when they were making their cup runs. So it's a great it's great debate, yeah. but you can't really go wrong with either. But I, I think I'm with you just from the physical, um, the, the, the size and the reach. And if you were going to draft one of the two players with everything being equal, I think you probably would draft Malcolm over Bergeron. But you really can't go wrong. Yeah. picking second in that debate. Um, Adam says, as a Devil fan, I'm thrilled with the win over the Sharks and the fact that they, uh, they're they only two points out of a playoff spot without Jack Hughes and Dougie Hamilton. If they can tread water until those guys get back, I like their chances of making a run. Do you agree with that?
1: Well, I thought at the start of the season, I thought the Devils would be better than what people thought. Now, they've got some significant injuries early. Obviously, Hughes is out. He's going to be out a while. I don't think—I I think they're reevaluating in four weeks that's a lot of games, and they've already missed him for a bunch of games, so that's big. Uh, Got the news today that Miles Wood is going to have hip surgery, so he's done for a while. Uh, That's a huge loss for that team. They really miss Miles Wood because they don't have that bigger, stronger, burly forward that can get to the net and help protect some of the smaller skilled players on that team. So I, I can't... You know, Miles Wood is one of those guys that's such a valuable commodity, and people will say, wow, he's He's this or that, or he doesn't do this. Those are the type of guys that really are great complimentary pieces that when push comes to shove in a playoff series, they can really help you. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to miss him. Ducky Hamilton, hopefully, is not a long term thing to get him back. Mackenzie Blackwood played the other night, so he's back after the whole back and forth with uh, the vaccine issue and his other injury that he's got with. It. So uh, he's back, which I'll help. Jonathan Bernier is back. He played well. Uh, He's played well when called upon so far this year. So, I mean, I think they're going to be competitive, um, and they're going to play hard night after night. Uh, I don't think they're going to find a way into the playoffs, and I just think it's too hard with the other teams that they're dealing with. But I think that they're going to cause problems, and I think for Devils fans, when we get into February and after the Olympic break, you're going to look at the the standings and you're probably going to make a case for the fact, well, they could get there. I think they'll be competitive enough competitive enough that they'll be in the race longer than people think. But in the end, you know, I think they are thin and and they do miss you know, having certainly not having used there. And again, I, I go back to Miles Wood. I think they really will miss
0: him over the course of time. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. He also, you know, a lot of speed, too, so there's a lot you lose yeah, with the Miles absolutely. Wood. He's not a player that, like, pops into your mind, but when you watch them play, he's certainly somebody that's going to be missed. I, I kind of put Columbus in the same boat with them, don't you, EJ? Like a team that to be vastly improved but probably just run out of road when it comes time to make the playoffs in the East. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's the case. Now, we'll have to see over time like can pittsburgh weather the storm they got off to a good start with all the problems they had but you know they've had some challenges lost the port point the other night against minnesota late when they had a two-goal lead uh, you know how are things going to shake out for the rangers uh the capitals are dealing with injury issues right now the flyers have gotten off to a pretty good start like like i just think the division is so tough i mean carolina you know banked all those points early there I think they're probably right at the top. The Islanders have had the long road trip. Uh, they ended up losing points last night in Minnesota when they had a lead in the third period, which is unusual for them. But uh, I think all things considered, these uh, you know they're almost home at this point, right? They get home to play the new building in uh, really a couple weeks now, November the twentieth against Calgary. So um, they've had a pretty good start when you consider they've had a couple of bumps with. With Vorlamov not being available at all for the first, you know, eight, nine, ten games, so you know, I, I just think the division is so darn competitive, and uh, it's going to be a struggle. Whoever makes the playoffs in the Metro, really, in any of these divisions right now, <laughs> it's so it's so tight. Um, I think they're going to have a lot to to be to celebrate, and uh, you just want to get if you can get in. I think anybody who can get in is going to have a chance because it's tight. But in the Metro, boy, it's not going to be easy. But I agree that I think Columbus and New Jersey are along the same
0: path. EJ, always fun to talk to you. We'll try to hook up with you next week. And you can watch EJ Raddick on the NHL Network on NHL Now between the hours of 4 and 6 Eastern time, man. I'll talk to you soon. That, of course, is EJ Raddick. Always fun to talk to him. Three games tonight, Rangers and the Panthers from the Garden. Rangers playing just their fourth game at Madison Square Garden in their first 13 games. Of course, the Panthers have yet to lose in regulation 10-0-1 in that game. And just checking some of the injuries. Barkoff still out with a lower body injury. Bennett still out with the upper body injury. So maybe the Rangers catch a break with the injuries for the Panthers, but didn't help Carolina uh, back on Saturday. Uh, So that's a problem for them. So the Rangers trying to see... If they can get back to their winning ways after a couple of tough overtime uh, losses, uh, a couple of uh, yeah, a couple of tough overtime losses, and then getting destroyed on Saturday night against the Flames six to nothing, so they're six three and three to start the year, and always a little leery of that first game back after a long road trip. That's when the Rangers got crushed by the Flames five to one a couple of weeks ago. Sabers back from their Western swing, they'll be in Washington to take on the Capitals as Alexander Ovechkin just one goal away from Brett Hull fourth all time in goals as he sits at 740 and can get to fourth place and pass Hull with a couple of goals tonight and the Red Hot Kings will be against the Red Hot Leafs uh, in Toronto and that should be a fun game as well just three games on the docket but all three should be a lot of fun we'll come back with you on Wednesday You want to get in touch with me best way to do that at Don LaGreca hashtag game misconduct we will talk to you again on Wednesday this was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with
1: Don LaGreca.